It's Jeannie, the Pistol Packing Mountain Mama Health Nut. Welcome back to Throw Out the Trash. I'm so glad you're here. Okay, in today's episode, in the All Things Health segment, I talk about an ingredient that you find in lotions, shampoos, and even hair dyes. And it's used to treat skin conditions, and it's called coal tar. But is it healthy for you, and does it have side effects? So I'll talk about this and give you some history about where it actually comes from. It's pretty interesting. And then keep listening to my second segment that has absolutely nothing to do with health, and I call that Mountain Adventures. Today I share a true story about a dangerous new club that formed on the Enbarro Ranch. My husband Nick and I own and operate a cattle ranch in the Rocky Mountains of East Idaho, and it's not always easy, but it's definitely worth it. But first I want to invite you to check out my photography website. It's called mountainadventures.smugmug.com, and I've changed the name. It used to just have my first name, Jeannie Olson. So it's mountainadventures.smugmug.com. And it has a lot of pictures that I've taken in the Rocky Mountains. And not only are they beautiful, you can also purchase them. And this helps fund my podcast, and I would definitely appreciate it. And you can find the website in the show notes. So now let's talk about coal tar. Coal tar has been used for over 100 of years for skin problems. And yet how many of us really know how it's made? What chemicals is in it, and is it healthy for us? It's not a topic that you see in the news every day. It crossed my path by accident when I was shopping online, and I noticed this advertisement from eBay, and it said, yes, we carry coal tar products. So I was curious as to why this particular product would be advertised that way. Maybe it was something I needed to try. And I'll be honest, I had flashbacks of a friend who used a certain coal mask once, and she had a heck of a time getting it off of her face of course I laughed at the time, but it did get me to thinking about just what is in it. So I decided to research it, and I was surprised at what I found out. So let's dive in. It always fascinates me how things are made or manufactured. I've heard of coal mines, and I know that many people used to use lump coal or finer coal, it was called slack coal, to heat their homes. And I think that some people still use it today, but it's not as common as like oil, gas, or electric. For one thing, I think the coal is a little bit dirtier to use. But here's a little history. Coal was first mined in the 1880s, and that's 144 years ago. It started with men tunneling, digging, and then manually extracting the coals on carts. And this type of coal mine was called a pit. And I have a picture in my house of a workhorse that's pulling a cart of coal in, in an underground tunnel. This photo and description were taken and written by a man named Ross Taylor, and I just love it. And the description reads, and, I'll, and this is quoted, This photograph was taken in an underground mine shaft. This horse was totally blind, as were all such horses due to a lifetime in total darkness. It was the most impressive thing I had ever seen. It depicts the American way of life and the effort it took for our forefathers to build this great country. Often, when I have been discouraged and despondent beyond words, I have looked at this picture and said to myself, I will pull it one more mile. With that attitude in mind and with an average amount of intelligence, any person can certainly make a success of their life in this land of free enterprise. End quote. So I loved it so much that I bought this picture for my husband Nick, 
because I have seen him pull at one more mile many, many times. And I think all of us could use this for inspiration from time to time. Of course, the minds are different today. They are open-cut mines, or pit head is what they're called, and that's where they cut into the side of the mountain, and it requires a, the use of a lot of heavy equipment. So what is extracted from the ground? It's a black or brownish-black sedimentary rock, which is mostly carbon and other elements like hydrogen, sulfur, oxygen, and nitrogen. And of course, with the mines, there comes negative feedback. I know our government has been hitting this industry pretty hard, saying it's an environmental hazard, and then others say it causes health problems to workers and communities. But I'll talk about these in a little bit. Now we know what coal is and where it comes from, so what is coal tar? And here is Britannica's definition. Coal tar is a principal liquid product resulting from the carbonization of coal, which is the heating of coal in the absence of air at temperatures ranging from 650 to 2200 degrees Fahrenheit. And Wikipedia says this liquid is thick and dark, which is a type of creosote. And it has both medical and industrial uses. In an article by medicalnewstoday.com, it was titled, Everything to Know About Coal Tar Treatments. It says medically, it is used as a topical medication for different types of psoriasis, seborrheic dermatitis, which is dandruff, eczema, scale, redness, inflammation, thickened skin, and itching. No, there's nothing worse than itchy skin. However, crude coal tar has a strong and unpleasant smell, so doctors hesitate to prescribe it. And you can find more refined versions in shampoos, lotions, gels, creams, and hair dyes and soaks. But I do wonder, though, how much coal tar is actually in it, let's say in the lotion, to be of any benefit. But, However, some people swear by the use of pure coal tar for completely taking care of their medical issues. And then industrial uses are railroad tie preservatives and for resurfacing roads. And for this, it's coal tar pitch is used. Okay, so does it have any short-term side effects? Some side effects that have been reported are skin irritation, rashes or acne-like breakouts, unpleasant odor, swelling, stinging or burning, dry or brittle hair, stains on light color hair and clothing, sun sensitivity, or worsening of psoriasis. What about long-term health problems? Since it's been used for over 100 years, does it have any problems after prolonged use? The American Academy of Dermatology Association says that coal tar has two benefits. It costs less to use, and you can use it long-term. However, some experts say that long-term use can cause cancer. In another article by Cancer.gov titled Coal Tar and Coal Tar Pitch, it says that some cancers are associated with exposure to coal tar. Such cancers are skin cancer, lung, bladder, kidney, and digestive tract cancer but they say these are caused by occupational exposures, meaning if you work in the coal industry, you're more likely to get cancer. However, the general population may be exposed to environmental contaminants and then through the use of preparations to treat skin disorders, like the ones I mentioned earlier. But going back to the article in Medical News Today, they state that most experts say it's safe to use, but in states like California then coal tar products must carry a cancer warning. And this is due to animal studies, but the animals were also subjected to higher amounts than a 
person normally would use, let's say if they were using it for psoriasis. And lastly, in an article by Sustainable Jungle, it was titled 17 Ingredients to Avoid in Skin Care, it says that coal tar is one of the biggest cosmetic ingredients to avoid. It belongs to a class of drugs that's called keratoplastics, which causes the skin to shed its dead cells and then slow down the growth of new skin cells. And what this does is it decreases itchiness, scaliness, and dryness. Why do they say it can potentially be dangerous? Well, according to rodent studies, coal tar has been linked to increased liver weight, eating avoidance, respiratory difficulty, sneezing, weight loss, and cancer. For humans, coal tar contains several ingredients, benzopyrene and pyridine, that are in fact linked to skin cancer, tingling in your hands and feet, hyperpigmentation, neurological damage, and eye cancer in prolonged exposure. So here we have two sides of the argument. Dermatologists say it's safe to use long-term. Cancer.gov says no if exposed to higher amounts. So what does the FDA say? They say, and I quote, Coal tar is a safe and effective drug ingredient in low concentrations when the amount in a product falls between 0.5 and 5%. So hopefully the product you're using will say what amount of coal tar is in it. Otherwise, how would you really know? I also believe that the U.S. government is hitting the coal industry pretty hard, and this is causing loss of jobs. But with today's technology and safety regulations, I think health issues are less likely to be a problem unless you do work in the coal industry. But most coal workers take precautions, because you have to when OSHA is involved in in regulating everything that you do. The fact that coal has been used for hundreds of years is a pretty good indicator that it's pretty safe, and it's not synthetic. It comes from the ground naturally. So in my opinion, this is better than a lot of other products that are made chemically. But of course, as always, you know, use your own judgment. And it's never a bad idea to use it in moderation and avoid prolonged exposure. And if you're worried about excessive exposure and you want to give your body some extra help to eliminate some of the harmful chemicals that maybe even come from coal tar, then check out a product I love and it's called Purify. Used daily, it gently detoxifies and cleanses five of your organs, removes toxins, increases nutrient absorption, eliminates heavy metals, and best of all, it supports a healthy weight. So to learn more about this product, visit my website. It's genieolson.iii.earth, and you'll find this in the show notes. And hopefully you've learned something you didn't know before. Please share this with one person who you think might benefit from it. And make sure to hit the follow button so you don't miss an episode. And then one last thing, please leave me a review or shoot me an email because I'd love to hear your thoughts. Now let's transition into my next segment I call Mountain Adventures. I suppose it can be done, but it would take a lot of people to tip just one cow over or it would take equipment of some kind. It's mainly just a legend, and some ranchers, when asked what they do for fun on the ranch, will say, Why cow tipping, of course. We even have a club that gets together for it every Saturday night. Which is a line of bull, by the way. (laughs) But here on the NBRO Ranch in the Rocky Mountains of East Idaho, we do have a tipping club. A certain kind of club that tips large things over, bigger than cows. 
Now, officially, there are only two members so far. They're charter members. That's enough if you ask me. Who are the two members, you ask? One is my husband, Nick, and the other is our nephew, Guy. I don't think they're too proud to be in this club, but they are nonetheless. Just how did they get in this club? Today, I'd like to share Nick's adventure. It all started about ten years ago. We had acquired an orange loader, and it had a telehandler boom and a fork on it to use to stack hay, feed hay, hold up the pickup when a tire needs changing. You name it, it's been used for it. We were excited to buy this loader. It would be so handy. We had bought it in late fall, just before winter. What we didn't realize, though, that, it's, that it wasn't self-leveling. Here in the mountains, nothing is level. Not one field, not one road, not one pasture. So you have to manually use a lever and continually make sure the loader is level or it will tip over. It had been blizzarding all night. And the wind was still blowing snow around the next morning, so visibility was low. Now this loader doesn't have a cab on it. It does have a roll cage on one side to protect you, on the side next to the engine. But basically there's nothing there to protect you on the outside of the seat and steering wheel. So Nick had to bundle up in his overalls, heavy coat, hat, and gloves to keep warm. He headed out the door and climbed onto the loader. He didn't realize he had forgot his cell phone, and I didn't either. He started the loader. picked up a hay bale from our haystack that wintry morning, and then he lifted the loader high enough so he could see ahead of him. He strapped on the safety belt and headed up the steep dugway behind our house. The tree-lined ice road made it easy going, especially with chains on the tires. The trees blocked the wind, and it was pretty calm so he could see pretty well. But it all changed when he got to the top. At the top of this steep mountain road, the trees end and the road levels out before you go through a gate and into the field. This particular part of the road sits at the bottom of the field, which is basically a hill. So the wind blows this part of the road shut often. As Nick approached the top, the wind picked up again. And visibility was near zero. He could barely see. But when the cows need hay, you go no matter what the weather is. He could see that a huge snowdrift had formed, blocking the ice road. It was deceiving, though, because everything is white. If you have ever been in a whiteout during a blizzard in East Idaho, you know how blinding it can be. You can't see your hand in front of your face. The wind would let up for a few seconds at a time, and this gave Nick a chance to see where the ice road was. He could see that the drift was higher on one side than the other, but when everything is white, it's hard to tell just how steep one side is. When the wind let up again, Nick thought to himself, Hmm, the snowdrift doesn't look too bad. I think I can make it through. But it wasn't. As he hit the snowdrift, one side was about eight feet high and solid ice and snow, and the other side was about four feet of softer snow. By the time he realized it, it was too late. The loader started to tip over. He grabbed the lever to level the loader, but it wouldn't work. He tried again and again, nothing. By this time, it was too late. The loader was tipping over. Downhill, on the side that had no roll cage to protect him. 
When the loader finally came to, to rest on its side, Nick was trapped between the snow and the loader. The snow had packed inside of the roll cage, smashing Nick. So much snow was packed around him that he could hardly breathe. He was being crushed. He had to act quickly, so he started digging with his hands. He dug enough snow away from him finally that he could breathe, ah, and then move a little bit, and he just kept on digging until he had an opening in front of the steering wheel. Finally, he was able to unhook his safety belt, and he climbed out, thankful to be alive. He sat there dazed for a few minutes, and then he thought, oh, now I have another problem, how to get the loader back on its wheels. He thought for a few more minutes and decided he would need to call our neighbor Clayton. He had a tractor with tracks on it that could make it up the dugway. This tractor had a blade on it too so he would be able to push some of the snow out of the way, hook chains onto the loader and pull it upright. He reached into his pocket to grab his phone and it wasn't there. He would have to walk back to the house about a quarter of a mile away and get his phone. I was shocked when he came through the door. I hadn't heard the loader like I usually do. First thing I asked him was, well, where's the loader? And that's when he told me what had happened. He told me about not being able to see, about the snow drift, the leveler not working. He thinks because the wires to it had been broken the day before and he didn't know it. He told me about how he thought he had the boom too high and because of all of that, the loader tipped over. He told me about the bolts that had broken on the roll cage as he slammed into the snow and that it gave him a little extra room to move so he could dig. And he told me how he had decided to wear the safety belt, something that he never wears. And because of all of that, he stayed on the loader, was able to get free, and get out, and wasn't hurt in the process. It scared me to think that he would have been crushed and I wouldn't have known it was happening until it was too late. It scared me that I wasn't there to help him when he needed it. But do you know who was there? Jesus was there and his angels. He was watching out for Nick that day. Why else would the bolts break on the roll cage and give him just enough room to dig free? Why else would Nick put his safety belt on? Why? Because, as Nick says, he was prompted to. And all I can say is, thank you, Jesus. So after that day, a new club was formed. And by now, I'm sure you know, this new club is called the Tractor Tipping Club. And once in a while, Jesus just has to take the will. There really is never a dull moment at the Enbaro Ranch. Well, remember this. When you've done everything you can do, that's when God will step in and do what you can't. He loves you. See you next time.